Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Welcome into the Monday, September the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, through thick and thin, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, oh boy, a blockbuster trade goes through. We've got 10 new Miami Dolphins on the roster, a bunch of draft picks acquired, a potential all-pro out the door, the first weekend of college football, and my thoughts on Miami's direction, the trade, and so many more questions buzzing around this team right now. Tons to discuss, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We just shattered our record for high download watermark. We are a top 200 podcast on iTunes. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and the show at LockedOnFins. You can also check out LockedOnDolphins.com, where the state of the franchise piece is currently hosted, as well as a scouting report on the top four college quarterbacks, Tua Tungavailoa, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, and Justin Herbert, and film study pieces on Danny Isadora and Evan Bohm, the two offensive linemen the Dolphins traded for on Friday. So plenty to get to on the podcast here. Before we jump in with that, the opening week of the NFL is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mark Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I guarantee that. All right, we have a lot to get to. Let's go ahead and just jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Off the top, we have to discuss the details of the Laramie Tunzel trade. If you don't know by now, the Dolphins have sent tackle Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills to the Houston Texans. They've also sent a 2020 fourth-round draft pick, a 2021 sixth-round draft pick, and in return, the Dolphins get an absolute king's ransom. They get the Texans' first-round pick next year. They get the Texans' first-round pick in 2021 and the Texans' second-round draft pick in 2021, in addition to tackle Julianne Davenport and cornerback, but more likely, special teams ace Johnson Batamosi, formerly of the New England Patriots. So those are the details of the trade. What about the way this whole thing went down? We can talk about Albert Breer's tweet of the Monday morning quarterback. He says this, The Dolphins did not intend to trade Laramie Tunzel, but the Texans kept coming, and now Miami has an absolutely insane amount of draft capital. So Miami kind of got backed into a corner, didn't really have interest in trading their potential all-pro left tackle, but at a certain point, the cost becomes way too much for you to ignore, and that's kind of the perception of a lot of the national media folks, like Albert Breer, like Evan Silva, like Jordan Reed. People are praising this Dolphins team for taking this nuanced, refined approach compared to what they've done in the past, continually going after Band-Aids and stocking up the roster with temporary fixes to try to compete for wildcard bursts. We're going to get more into that in just a minute. So the national perception is great job Dolphins. The local perception, it's the same old stuff. We know about agendas and certain riders adhering to those agendas. Armando Salguero says this team is a dumpster fire, yada, yada, yada. They're going to be garbage forever, but that's his shtick. We get it. The same's kind of true of Omar Kelly of the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's bagging on the franchise for players, maybe not wanting to be here. And that might be right, 
But does it really matter? Because we've got 26 players that are 24 years or younger, and we've got 21 draft picks in the next two years. So this team is going to be unrecognizable in a couple of years. The financial impact of this trade, the Dolphins likely save about $80 million total from not having to extend Laramie Tunzel. And I'm not going to call that a victory because Tunzel's a great player. He's worthy of that contract. But now Miami can reshift their focus and spend that money on multiple players, maybe even on the offensive line, which we will go further into detail here in just one minute. But also trading receiver Kenny Stills saves Miami $15 million in cash over the next two years. He was owed $8 million this year, $7 million next year. So Miami gets themselves free of some financial compensation down the road, giving them even more cap space to work with as they already had $100 million worth of cap space in the future. What about the value of this trade? What does Miami get back for a left tackle? Who could be a pro bowler for a receiver? Who's a good NFL receiver? Well, listen to this. The Eagles acquired Carson Wentz for two firsts, a second, and a third. The Chiefs acquired Patrick Mahomes for two firsts and a third. The Texans acquired Deshaun Watson for just two first-round picks. And now the Texans acquire Laramie Tunzel for two firsts, a second, and they get the fourth and sixth-round kickback. So the Texans paying quarterback level prices to go get their guy, to go get Laramie Tunzel, to protect their franchise quarterback into Sean Watson. And Miami doesn't have that guy. They don't have their franchise quarterback. At least that's what they're telling us right now. So it sounds like they're going to try to wait until they have that guy before they address the position down the road. And we know they will not be short on resources to go ahead and make that happen because in addition to the $100 million in cap space next season, they now have 12 total draft picks next year, two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the sixth, one in the seventh, a projected three picks in the top 50, a projected seven in the top 100 picks in the 2020 NFL draft to surround the quarterback they so choose to go with. In 2021, they come right back with nine more draft picks, two in the first, two in the second, one in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. They have nine picks that year, 21 draft picks total. And from a projected standpoint, they look like they're going to have six draft picks in the top 50 over the next two years. And 13 of those picks over the next two years should fall in the top 100 picks of the draft. Let's go backwards here and talk about how the Houston Texans got themselves into the situation, how Miami wound up agreeing, and where this puts the Dolphins' future going forward, as Stephen Ross has told us in the past. So Bill O'Brien right now operating without any governing watch ahead of him, spending all of his company's future assets on immediate returns. The Texans yesterday lost two first-round picks, two second-round picks, an all-pro defensive end, and all they really got back for this was a couple of middling running backs like Duke John. Johnson and Carlos Hyde, and they got a left tackle in Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills. So their entire future is mortgaged on a great left tackle, a good receiver, and some decent running backs. The Dolphins, meanwhile, cashed in. And while this might not have been Steven Ross's exact image of a teardown rebuild, he now takes a strong step and a strong charge in the front-running race for the quarterback class next year. We'll talk about that in just one second. But when Ross discussed the idea of rebuilding back on New Year's Eve when he fired Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum and promoted Chris Greer, 
He mentioned the operations of Dolphins Pass where they would use these resources to put band-aids on temporary solutions and not really have a future outlook in mind. And so he said he wants to step back and do things differently. He even quoted the definition of insanity. But then three weeks ago in a piece by Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, he talked about how he wants to still find a way to win games, maybe at home to appease the fan base saying he's going to instruct the coaching staff to quote, try to win, end quote. A hilarious quote without context, but Ross continued by saying that if the Dolphins wind up with, say, five wins, that's okay because they now have the draft capital to go up and get the quarterback of their choice in the future. Now they definitely have even more to that, but they might not have to use any of those picks beyond just one single draft pick to get their franchise quarterback of the future, which is the best surefire way to change things for an organization. We're going to talk about that, how they made it all happen, and get into more on this crazy trade, this crazy weekend, and we'll jump back into the next segment for all of that. But first, before any of it, it is the start of a new football season, and with that, it's time to celebrate the fact that football is back. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the new season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code LOCKEDON, that's one word, LOCKEDON, will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Right now, get in on the season opening action. Download the DraftKings app now and use code LOCKEDON for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users, don't miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter promo code LOCKEDON to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All these changes, we know that this play is all about the future. No doubting that. But what if it actually kind of makes some sense from a personnel standpoint, and if you'll lower your pitchforks for a moment, I can explain why would they trade Laramie Tunzel, a 25-year-old left tackle entering the prime of his career and really developing into one of the best left tackles in the National Football League. And I'll take you back to the fifth day of training camp down in Davie in South Florida. It was the day after Pat Flaherty, new offensive line coach, had just been dismissed and Flores was fielding a flurry of questions about the offensive line. And one of those questions was, what exactly are you guys looking for from the front line up front? And Flores' message has never deviated from one of his many original cliches. He talked about communication, working as one singular, singular unit, not five individual parts. That's what we're trying to get out of those guys, end quote. So think about that for a second. They want five guys operating in tandem because even if you have an elite pass protector like Laramie Tunzel and you can put him out on an island with a two-way go against one of the game's best pass rushers like Khalil Mack, 
What does that gain when your right guard, right tackle combination can't pick up a stunt and they don't pass off properly and that pressure gets in on the quarterback regardless of how good Laramie Tunzel plays? He's one of a five-man part. This roster needs a jolt of talent, no doubt about that. But the offensive line was the primary culprit behind why the Dolphins had been projected as a hopeless outfit this year by the entire NFL cognoscenti, as it were. And the sum of all the parts of the offensive line is of greater value than one individual piece doing multiple things for you because you can slide protection with Laramie Tunzel. He does make you a lot better. But if the rest of the guys aren't up to snuff, if the other four guys aren't good, then he's a wasted asset on this roster. And that's kind of the thinking behind what the Dolphins want to do here. It's what the Patriots have done year in and year out up there, where Brian Flores used to come from, where Chris Greer used to come from. The idea is to go after cheaper market value offensive linemen, not put the big money into one position like a Jawan James or like Laramie Tunzel and cash in that massive asset for future gains where you can maybe spread the wealth across the entire offensive line instead of putting all the money and resources into one player and still having a bad line because five good linemen is way better than one all-time great lineman and four eh players at the position. So now the Dolphins can use the money and the picks acquired to spend on new offensive linemen, maybe two in free agency, maybe use one of those draft picks to scoop it up because they did get three likely top 50 or top 60 picks in the process. Everything about this offseason has been about positioning the team for future success, and this only helps the Dolphins get closer to that step. Even though losing a great player like Tunzel sucks, this is a better move for the Dolphins long-term. And the biggest reason it's a great move long-term for this football team, not because of any left tackle or any offensive linemen, and I'll see this point argued on Twitter until people are blue in the face, but when you get a marquee quarterback, there is no better way to get yourself right back into the conversation of relevance than putting up a giant name, an elite level quarterback on the marquee of your stadium. We can go over all the examples. I use the one with Andrew Luck as my reference point because they finished 2-14 and 14 one year and then came back with Andrew Luck and he gave them three consecutive years of playoff berths. He gave them three playoff wins and an AFC championship title game appearance, which all three of those things have not been achieved by this Dolphins team since the 1990s. Some of you probably weren't even alive when that last happened. So we can point to Andrew Luck. We can point to Baker Mayfield and what he's done for the Cleveland Browns. We can point to Russell Wilson with the Seattle Seahawks. The bottom line is this, you get a great quarterback, you're going to be in good shape to do some damage in this league. And the Dolphins' main mindset previously in the offseason was to gather more picks because you might be worried about the draft capital required to go up the board and acquire the top pick or the second pick, whatever it might be. But by doing this, by going young on the roster and getting down to 26 players of 24 years or younger and cutting off some decent talent like Tank Carradine and TJ McDonald, Perhaps the Dolphins do share the belief that a happy accident of all of this is that they're going to be a bad football team and finish with maybe three or four wins and get themselves that happy accident at quarterback. And you guys all know who I'm talking about. Whether or not you like him or not, Tua Tungavailoa is held in that regard. He is thought of as the next sure thing to come out of the NFL draft. Trevor Lawrence is next year, but folks love Tua Tungavailoa, and for great reason. We'll talk more about his week one game here in just one second, but he was always the apple of the eye for Stephen Ross. You go back to articles in January, and it said... Ross has an affinity for Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. And to go back to the Andrew Luck argument, 
The Dolphins and Colts were chasing after Andrew Luck in that pitiful 2011 season when Matt Moore came off the bench and rescued things for Chad Henney and that bad Dolphins team. Well, the Dolphins wound up with Ryan Tannehill. Can you sit here and tell me this team wouldn't be in a far different position right now, even with the retirement of Andrew Luck and all the stuff that happened recently? But go back seven years and give me seven years of Andrew Luck over Ryan Tannehill. How different would those last seven seasons be? The playoff drought would be over. We might even have an AFC East title to our name. The Dolphins would have had playoff runs. There's no doubt about that. The quarterback changes everything, and that's the opportunity you have when you go get a guy like Tua Tungavailoa, especially if it doesn't cost you any draft capital to go get him because now the Dolphins are going to have 20 additional draft picks to make things happen around Tua because they don't have to trade the three first-round draft picks, the two first-rounders and two second-rounders to trade up and go get their Carson Wentz or their Pat Mahomes or their Deshaun Watson, whoever it might be. The Dolphins luck in to an all-time great quarterback class the way the Colts did in 2012 and might get themselves to a tongue of Iloa, Jordan Love, whatever the case may be. It puts you in a position where all you have to do with those other 20 picks is bat 400. You don't even have to get half the picks right. You do that, you're going to have eight contributing players on your core of your roster to add to guys like Jerome Baker, Minka Fitzpatrick, Christian Wilkins, Xavier Howard. So double those four players. Give yourself 12 good players around a quarterback who we all believe can be a franchise-altering, an elite-level top three, top five quarterback that puts you in the conversation for a Lombardi every year and we have a good roster around him, and that's if we don't even draft that well. What if they do draft well and bat 600 and get themselves 12 more contributors? We're talking about a franchise that could change its course of its direction for 5, 10, 15 years because of these moves. If they execute him, to me, that gamble, the gamble of possibly going from 8 wins down to 3, is totally worth the payoff on the other side because for the first time in a long time, we have an opportunity to see this Dolphins team build and grow and put together a consistent, sustained winner under this new model. We just got to execute in the draft. But the counter to all of this is if all these moves are for the future, then why did you go out and pay Xavier Howard? And why did you go out and trade for Josh Rosen? Well, just as the offensive line was in total shambles, even with Laramie Tunzel, the secondary was not the same because you've got Xavier Howard, who's one of, if not the game's premier cover corner. He's got Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot next to him. He's one of the best at that spot. And not to mention his positionless versatility that gives you the ultimate chess piece and Swiss Army knife on your defense. Plus, this Dolphin staff right now likes what they have in Eric Rowe and Jamal Wiltz. We still got Rashad Jones here and Bobby McCain, who could be players in the future. Probably not Jones, maybe more so McCain, who also is a team captain. But this piece, this secondary, is just one or two pieces away from becoming a top flight secondary. If the Dolphins got one or two offensive linemen, would they have been that? Probably not. Not by a long shot. On the other side, Josh Rosen sits here and he's in a terrible, terrible situation. He's a cursed player at this point. He comes into a situation this year that was worse than the one he was in last year. And let's be real about this. Because of that, his chances are pretty slim that he is the actual answer in Miami. There's just not really any scenario where I see him playing well enough for long enough to push Miami off of a top three draft pick, which if the Dolphins are 3-13, and 13, Josh Rosen probably didn't play that well, so that's inevitable in its own right. But what if the Dolphins decided to not start Josh Rosen because of that? If the Dolphins are to go out and draft a quarterback in the top three next year, then Rosen's greatest value to the Dolphins 
might be on the trade market because you go back to 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo brings back the 43rd pick in the draft for the Patriots, and he did that based on 1.5 games of brilliance in 2016. Now, if Miami can hold off on playing Rosen until the circumstances are more favorable, perhaps the line gels a little bit, perhaps the schedule gets a little bit easier, then a few good games of tape could certainly attract a bidder for a third, a second, maybe even a first-round draft pick. And before you develop an ulcer at the thought of trading Josh Rosen after he plays well, consider the upside. Consider conviction in this business. The same conviction that the Chiefs showed in 2017 when, despite harboring a good NFL quarterback in Alex Smith, Andy Reid went for broke and wound up with the league's most valuable player in Patrick Mahomes. You have to trust your scouting. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, much higher regarded pre-draft than Josh Rosen, and even right now at this point, even more so. So in essence, you could wind up with the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and another second round draft pick coming back your way in addition to 21 other draft picks. That sounds like the recipe for building a long-term sustained winner. And all these players, all of this is to say that each of these guys has a price tag attached to their name, a cruel truth in the National Football League, but that's what it is. That's the business of the NFL and the Dolphins are doing business big time right now. When we come back on the other side, we'll circle back on Miami's future plans, but we'll also jump back into the 53-man roster for the 2019 season. And for the 2019 season, remember that Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network is Crossover Wednesday. We'll have the host of Miami's opponent, Locked On Podcast, on to discuss the matchup. So catch Crossover Wednesday with the Ravens this week and all season long here on the Locked On Dolphins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat. Let's change the way we live. And let's change the way we treat each other. The old way was not working, so we have to change the way we're doing things, and that's just what Stephen Ross, Chris Greer, Brian Flores, and this Miami Dolphins organization has done. They have completely flipped things upside down onto their head, acquired a bunch of draft picks, put themselves in position to acquire free agents with a bunch of salary cap space next year. But right now, they have 10 new acquisitions for the 2019 season. Let's go ahead and blow through those real quick. First, Julianne Davenport was the, I suppose, prized player of the acquisition of that Texans trade. And he is a tire fire. He allowed 12 sacks last year. That was second most in the National Football League. I had a tweet thread about him where he was basically comparable to Dallas Thomas. So he's going to get somebody killed if the other guys on the line don't do it first. Julian Davenport, your new left tackle. Ugh. The Dolphins also traded off Kiko Alonso for linebacker Vince Beagle, formerly of Wisconsin and the Green Bay Packers, and now the New Orleans Saints. Beagle met with the Dolphins pre-draft multiple times that year. I was a fan, but he hasn't panned out so far, obviously, now on his third team. The Dolphins also pick up Trent Harris from the Patriots, a defensive end. Another defensive end, Avert Moss. Linebacker Dion Lacey, who was back here with the Dolphins last season, did not make the opening day roster, but wound up with the Buffalo Bills. He, like Sam Egwavon, came from the CFL. We've got Johnson Batamosi, a longtime Patriot special teams ace, as well as with the Texans last year. He is a cornerback slash safety, but more importantly, a special teamer. Cornerback Ken Webster and safety Stephen Parker. So those are the new additions. The Dolphins also made two additions on Friday, acquiring a pair of offensive linemen in the make of Danny Isadora and Evan Bohm. Bohm comes from Indianapolis 
And he might have been the prize of this trade because the Dolphins, all they did was swap seventh round draft picks to go get Boehm. And he has a lot of positive things said about him out there. This from Lance Zerline. He's tough as nails. He'll play with pain. He's the kind of guy that will command a locker room and his leadership is off the charts. Boehm started 52 consecutive games at Missouri. That is a school record there. He played 13, or he started rather, in 13 of his 42 career games. He played 122 snaps as a rookie in 2016, 588 in 2017, and then last year played 357, filling in for the injured Ryan Kelly of the Colts. He only allowed five pressures on 233 pass blocking snaps. He graded 12th on PFF in terms of pass protection and 16th overall in run blocking on PFF. So he looks like he might be a find. There's a video thread up on LockedOnDolphins.com. The other one... Danny Isadora, former Miami Hurricane, he's a bit of a project. He plays with a wide base. He can get overpowered. Sometimes both of his feet come off the ground. He winds up on the ground. He does have athleticism, can play in the outside zone type of look the Dolphins might want to run. He's versatile, but he probably gives the Dolphins depth in this regard. His production with the Vikings was not good. That's why he was available. He allowed 11 pressures on just 145 pass blocking reps. He was the 119th graded pass blocking guard last year and 38th run blocking guard in PFF metrics on the offensive line. So check out that piece. It's up on LockedOnDolphins.com. They are two of the Dolphins now, 10 additions over the weekend to the new roster. And I would be entirely remiss if I didn't mention Kenny Stills was part of that trade too, the forgotten man of this trade. And it sounds like, according to Aaron Wilson of, I think he works for the Houston Chronicle, said that Kenny Stills was planned to be traded for a fourth or fifth round draft pick if not included in the Laramie Tunzel deal. So the Dolphins plan to part with Kenny Stills. I want to tell Kenny Stills personally, thank you so much for all you did for this football team. A very good receiver, but an even better human being. Every time you turned on the Miami Dolphins social media pages, whether it was Snapchat, Twitter, whatever it was, they always were at charity events. And number 10, never missed one of them. One of the best guys in the league, the Dolphins candidate for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, Kenny Stills, you, sir, will be missed. He's not part of the 53-man roster, but we do have a 53-man roster and practice squad developing. Not entirely, but I have it for you guys right now. We're going to go over this more in depth on tomorrow's show, but just to run by it real quick, Fitzpatrick and Rose and your quarterbacks, six running backs, Drake Bellage, Walton Laird, Gaskin, and Chandler Cox. So six deep at the tailback spot and fullback. Receivers, we only got five. Wilson, Grant, Williams, Parker, and Hearns. At tight end, Chris Myrick was cut and added to the practice squad. So now it goes Mike Gesicki, Nick O'Leary, and Durham Smythe. Nine offensive linemen. Ugh, this group is bad. Davenport, Dieter, Kilgore, Calhoun, Davis, Reed, Bohm, Isadora, and Isaiah Prince. At the edge position, Charles Harris, Nate Orchard, Trent Harris, Jonathan Ledbetter, and Moss. On the interior defensive line, Wilkins, Godshaw, Taylor, linebackers, Baker, Aguavin, McMillan, Van Ginkle, Terrell Hanks, Vince Beagle, and Dion Lacey. At cornerback, we got six of these guys, Howard, Fitzpatrick, Rowe, Wiltz, Webster, and Batamosi. At safety, McCain, Jones, Hardage, Lamons, Parker, Aikens, and three specialists, Sanders, Hawk, and Denny. Check out that entire list on LockedOnDolphins.com. And the practice squad, we have six guys right now. Check that, seven guys. Jake Rudock, the quarterback. Defensive end, Dwayne Hendricks. Linebacker, Christian Sam. Cornerback, Nick Needham. Defensive tackle, Gerald Willis, formerly of the U. Tight end, Chris Myrick. And the roster exempt, Derval Neto. And I want to close this podcast with a final note encompassing all of this stuff. But first, before we do that, 
College football kicked off over the weekend. My Washington State Cougars won big time over New Mexico State, 58-7. to Our redshirt senior quarterback, Anthony Gordon, had thrown five passes his entire career. Well, he threw five touchdowns in the game, so the Cougs win big. But the quarterbacks were more watching this year. Tua Tungavailoa, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, and Jake Fromm. The scouting reports are up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It was a rough night for Jordan Love. He was really ripping the ball with that quick release and showed you the physical traits and arm talent and ability to throw the ball on the run that you fall in love with. But he came up late, short late, I should say. They lost to Wake Forest 38-35. He had three picks, three touchdowns, 416 yards, and he completed 68.8% of his passes, averaging 8.67 yards per attempt. There's a video thread and a full write-up in the article on LOD.com. Tua Tungavailoa was sharp again. Four touchdowns, only five incompletions. Completed 83% of his passes, 10.8 yards per attempt. They beat Duke 42-3. Just the processing, the light feet, the feet hardwired to the eyes as he makes his decisions and goes through his progressions. He is such a sharp processor and accurate quarterback. My God, he's good, and he's going to be ours most likely. Up next, Jake Fromm at Vanderbilt. Fromm can really just turn around and hand the ball off because this offense is loaded, although I will say Fromm sent a bunch of quarterbacks all about the country. He kicked Justin Fields and Jacob Eason out of Georgia, and there was a comparison to Peyton Manning for his mental preparation and leadership that he shows. He understands the passing concepts, the coverage of the defense, and how to manipulate the coverage of those defenses within his own scheme, but he had a really ho-hum day. 15 of 23, 156 yards and one touchdown. Like I said, Georgia can just run the ball to victory pretty much at will. And then Justin Herbert, who I've been the hardest on, I thought he struggled in that game. He made some really curious decisions. He looks very, very terrified of pressure. They lost to Auburn 27-21. He went for 242 yards, one touchdown, just 6.5 yards per attempt though. But the way I saw this entire day of quarterback play was that all four of these guys were pretty much the same quarterbacks they were last season. And they have the same traits they're going to have to improve going forward into this season. For Jordan Love, that's his post-snap processing and recognizing of disguised coverages. For Tungavailoa, just protect yourself from injury because he looked fully healthy 100% and he was moving really good in that game. For Jake Fromm, the mobility and the arm strength, the physical talents are going to be hard to get better at, but that's where he has to be. And for Justin Herbert, his processing and situational awareness because last night, he threw a ball out of the back of the end zone on a Hail Mary. You got to give your guys a chance. You have to know the situation. Next week, all these guys play cupcakes. Love plays Stony Brook. Tungavailoa plays New Mexico State. Jake Fromm plays Murray State. And Justin Herbert plays against Nevada. We're going to have those articles up on LockedOnDolphins.com for you guys every single week talking about the college prospects the Dolphins will have to choose from. And to finish this episode, the final bullet point on the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled State of the Miami Dolphins Franchise September 1st, 2019 is darkest before the dawn. And we all know this season's going to be challenging. There's no way around that. Miami doesn't have the makeup of a team that can compete with many others at this level, but there's still a reason to watch, an evaluation reason. Watch to see how Jerome Baker develops as the leader of the defense. Watch to see Xavier Howard continue his tear of picking off all the footballs. Watch to see Minka Fitzpatrick, Christian Wilkins, Kalen Balazs, Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, Charles Harris, and Devon Godshaw. Can those guys take the next step and be the integral veteran glue pieces of this team when they finally get things turned around? How about the low-risk investments like Mark Walton, Eric Rowe, and Devontae Parker and how they progress? What about the six undrafted free agents on the roster? Preston Williams, Patrick Laird, Chad Calhoun, Jonathan Ledbetter, Terrell Hanks, and Chris Lamons. How do they fare? 
We've got 16 games to watch this team and evaluate them for next year. We've got 13 weeks of college football to find out which of these 20 guys are going to be ours over the next two seasons. The Browns did the exact same thing two years ago. They went winless in 2017, and that got them Baker Mayfield. And now they go 7-8-1 and one the following year and are loaded because of all these resources they had. They were able to get Miles Garrett, Odell Beckham, Denzel Ward, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, and a laundry list, a host of other above-average NFL starters. That's the aim. That's where the Dolphins are going for. If you were content with perpetually finishing right in the middle of the pack in that range of seven to eight wins and picking in the early teens every single April, then perhaps this rebuild, this team isn't for you, but this team is doing things differently now because they had to. And we'll find out if it works in three years. Whew, that was a long one. Okay, that's going to be my time today, guys. I'm going to have another jam-packed episode tomorrow going over the entire roster, position by position, telling you my thoughts on those spots. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the most downloaded Miami Dolphins podcast on the internet, on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at Locked Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Fins up.